0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode one hundred and nine. We are in Thursday in the first week of Easter. Okay, blessed uh, Easter to everyone. Happy Easter to you and your families. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Entrance Antiphon, Wisdom, chapter 10, verse 20 to 21. They praised in union your conquering hand, O Lord, for wisdom opened mouths that were mute and gave eloquence to the tongues of infants. Alleluia! One more time. Wisdom, chapter 10, verse 20 to 21. They praised... In unction, I'm sorry, your conquering hand, O oh Lord, for wisdom opened mouths that were mute and gave eloquence to the tongues of infants. Alleluia. All right, so let's go to the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, so I said I was going to do the, uh, maybe something on John Henry Newman's, uh, uh, the St. John Henry Newman's uh, Confederacy of Evil. But I've come across um, something interesting. Of course, remember I mentioned about the so-called rehabilitation of uh, of Judas. Well, it turns out that's actually not a joke. Yes, I know, it sounds ridiculous, but yes, even Pope Francis um, was giving a... <laughs> giving homilies or sermons uh during Holy Week on Holy Thursday about Judas Iscariot. It sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Um I know it's amazing. All right, let's look at one of the articles. This is from uh Lifesite News. Uh, But first, before we go further on that, I think we should just continue with our scripture reading, actually, Uh, before that, just to uh, give us some graces that we need uh, through these ridiculous times. But it's something we're going to look into. All right. The first reading. First reading is from the book of Acts, chapter three, verse 11 to 26. The author of life you put to death, but God raised him from the dead. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. As the crippled man who had been cured clung to Peter and John, all the people hurried in amazement toward them in the protocol called Solomon's Protocol. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, You children of Israel, Why are you amazed at this and why do you look so intently at us as if we had made him walk by our own power or piety? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servants, his servant Jesus whom you handed over and denied in Pilate's presence when he had decided to release him. You deny the holy and the righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. The author of life you put to death, but God raised him from the dead. Of this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, this man whom you see and know his name has made strong. And the faith that comes through it has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Now I know, brothers and sisters, that you acted out of ignorance just as your leaders did. But God has thus brought to fulfillment what he had announced beforehand through the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be wiped away and that the Lord may grant you times of refreshment and send you the Christ already appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the times of universal restoration and which God spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. For Moses said, A prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kin. To him you shall listen in all that he may say to you. Everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be cut off from the people. Moreover, all the prophets who spoke from Samuel and those after it also announced these days, You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors. When he said to Abraham, In your offspring all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And um, the psalm is Psalm 8 and the response is, O Lord our God, how wonderful your name is in all the earth. Alleluia. O Lord our Lord, how glorious is your name over all the earth. What is man that you should be mindful of him, or the Son of man that you should care for him? O Lord our Lord, O Lord our God, how wonderful is your name in all the earth. You have made him little less than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him rule over the works of your hands, putting all things under his feet. O Lord, our God, how wonderful is your name in all the earth. All sheep and oxen, yes, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatever swims in the pass of the sea. O Lord, our God, how wonderful is your name in all the earth. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice. Alleluia, Alleluia. A reading from St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verse 35 to 48. Thus it was written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. A reading from the Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke. The disciples of Jesus recounted what had taken place along the way and how they had come to recognize him in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do you... Do do you question? Do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. That it is it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them if Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of bait fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, now the uh, readings we have here is obviously... Testimony to the resurrection and testimony to the power of Christ manifesting his power and his presence uh, through the apostles, uh, through obviously the healing of the, uh, the crippled man, the first um, public miracle that Simon Peter performs outside uh, right in, in the temple courtyard obviously, by the protocols of, uh, of, of uh, Solomon. I believe it's the uh, the same place where Jesus actually healed the uh, the crippled man, the man uh, who was 48 years old, I believe, who Jesus commanded him to get up, pick up his bed and walk. The... Um, one we can say is quite clearly they're imitating our Lord. They're imitating our Lord in in his uh, in his in his footsteps. They're following, they're literally following him in his footsteps. Remember, Jesus healed that man on the Sabbath and told him to pick up his mat, his his mat. Because remember the story, the man uh, sat by the portico of Solomon, and according to the story, the, um, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and cause the, the, the waters to be troubled, and people would struggle, the, the lame, the uh, handicapped, would struggle whoever gets in the water first gets to be healed but in this case this man here obviously is standing by the beautiful gate which is right next to the porticles of Solomon and he's begging he's begging uh he's begging asking for alms for uh people to be kind to donate something to him so he can survive and and get something to eat well Peter and John don't have any silver and gold or copper or whatever to donate, but they give him something. They give him the, the gift of walking through the power and through the name of Jesus Christ. And he, he gets to heal. The man's dancing as uh, you know, and causing quite a scene. This draws attention. And it Peter is preaching right in the temple courtyard. Uh, not far from the beautiful gate and the protocols of Solomon where the people purify themselves or wash themselves. And then suddenly it's a big scene. He's quoting to them scripture. He's taking them back into the journey of the promise of the covenant um, and the prophets. And we see this. We see he, he mentions the covenant with Abraham and the promise that God made to his offspring and the promises that God made to Israel. It's it, you know it's all there, and then we see this again. Uh, then we go a little further back, and we go to the gospel. And uh, it's funny in the uh, the, the season two uh, first episode uh, when they Jesus is preaching in Samaria after he's spoken to the Samaritan woman, and she's introducing him to every Samaritan in uh the place of uh, her town where the well the jacob's well is and um it's funny here jesus is trying to convince the apostles that he's that he's not a ghost that he's made of flesh and blood in the episode they're invited to sit to stay at the samaritan woman's house she's re- re- reunited with her husband and her husband makes a joke where One of the rooms in my house is haunted by my grandmother. And they're showing that the apostles obviously were a little superstitious. You know, they, they're, you know, they're people of their time. They believed that they were, you know, hauntings and, you know, obviously being that there are demonic possessions and um, Jesus, the character played by uh, Jonathan Rumi, who plays our Lord, you know, obviously, plays our Lord with a sense of humor. Ooh, I want that room. And he, he, you know, and then in the morning, the one of John the apostle says, I was a little scared about the idea that he said one of the rooms is haunted. And Jonathan Rumi playing the, the role of our Lord says, oh, come on, it's not haunted. Showing that the, that the old man was just being, was just joking, you know. And, you know, it obviously, you know, you have to think about it. Our Lord was a real person, so why wouldn't he have a sense of humor? Why wouldn't he have a joking sense of humor? I mean, that's what a real person—a real person has—all these characteristics, tongue in cheek, a little, you know, a little tease here and there, uh, tell a joke. One of the characters, uh, the actors playing Jude Thaddeus, Saint Jude Thaddeus, said that during the, he, you know, he managed a construction site. And during lunch break, he would sit around with the men and he would tell jokes and make the men laugh. I can picture that. And we should really, in a sense, picture our Lord as that kind of person, as someone who would make, you know, people laugh, tell a joke now and then. Not always solemn and serious. I think um, the way I think some some religious leaders try to be, but at the same time, you gotta joke in the right way. And I think being the fact that our Lord was without sin, I I would picture him as someone who who socialized and spoke and told a little joke here and there, try to make people laugh. I mean he was he was a working man, he was a, a craftsman. That's what technically a carpenter is is a craftsman, someone who 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 made objects and designs and social and he, and you have to socialize with people. you know this you know this idea that I think we we developed this image of a very solemn and serious person and walked around with a halo around his head. Nobody knew everybody knew him as. A carpenter. Everybody knew him as a real person. That's what, the, that's what the incarnation means. That God, and if He had a human soul, He had a human personality. He had a human. Um, he had a, he, everything about Him was one hundred percent human, as well as that He was truly one hundred percent God. I know the word one hundred percent. The term one hundred percent is a very human terminology. In other words, we're saying absolutely human and absolutely God with an absolute human personality with absolute human mannerisms all without sin. And yet still, he can joke, he can laugh, he could uh, make people laugh. Uh, At the same time, he understood the human heart and human nature. These things are important. We have to think about that. And I think sometimes. Um, we let. Um, we, we put a stereotype. We, we box him in. That he had to behave in this particular way. You know. I mean. I have to say this. It's true. Um, Jesus of Nazareth was a very serious. Solemn. Uh. Film, very serious and solemn film. I would say, probably the same thing with the the Passion of Christ to some extent because it didn't leave any room. It was a passion. It began with the passion. Uh, the, the mainly focused on the solemn mysteries of our Lord, a very solemn and uh, solemn manner. But I think what Dallas Jenkins does with the Chosen. It, 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 it invites us to get a little closer and at times to step back a little bit and see the whole and see the entire divine and human nature interacting. And I think we have to see that. I don't think he lost that personality after the resurrection. I don't, I don't. I would. I. I would imagine he did not. I think that's it's kind of silly. But if if we if we are to really, in a sense, embrace his humanity and his divinity, we have to embrace it with with the fact of realizing that he. For thirty-three years on Earth, was a person. Wh- wh- he had all the traits of a human being. Thirty-three years, thirty-three years, day after day, living among our, living among uh, his fellow na- uh, Israelites in Nazareth, going to school, interacting with people. Day after day, minute after minute, we don't have all those things recorded down. And it says so in the Gospel of John. All the books in the world would not be able to contain everything he said. And it's true. The wedding at Cana gives us that glimpse into human interaction. He was at a wedding where people were singing and dancing. All right, giving praises to a wedding. You know, blessings to this couple. They ran out of wine. They ran out of wine because they were having a good time. And there were probably far more people there than there should have been, which makes sense. People do invite friends and guests. And his mother, ...was there and Jesus was invited because his mother was invited. Now, I know it, it, goes, it goes far from the scene of the upper room, uh, him appearing. But think about it. He was dancing and singing with them. Now, we go back further to the, the days the, when he was 12 years old, 13 years old, when he was lost for three days... They were looking for him among family members. Meditate on that. For th- They were looking and questioning their fellow companions. They went down to Jerusalem for the Passover with other fellow companions, other f- members, family members, friends, acquaintances. So there was singing and dancing. In the upper room, the apostles were sitting there hiding. Very mournful. Now, we just, we just read a couple of days, uh, not too long ago, yesterday, as a matter of fact, the, uh, the road to Emmaus. Now, do you honestly think he walked very solemnly, in a very solemn, serious manner, walking with these two men to Emmaus, uh, you know, in a very, like, sort of serious manner with no, with no personality? No. He talked. He might have even made a few jokes along the way to make them laugh, to make them feel comfortable around him. He might have, you know, I mean, along the way, they must have stopped and ate, right? Think about it. They must have stopped and, you know, had a, you know, by the well, drank a little water maybe or something and maybe shared a little piece of food. You know and then and then when they finally got to Emmaus, you know, I mean we, 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 we picture scenes in a very we let I think um, I think we, we tend to box these events and dehumanize them. I mean remove the the you know the the reality of them. We remove the you know we we wanna we wanna make it very regal, we wanna make it very serious. But this was a real human event. And then the same thing in the upper room. Right? They he asked for fish and they gave him bread, fish, and some honey. <laughs> That's what it says here. He asks for food. He has you know and you know if you they gave him a piece of baked fish in another scene. I think they said he gave him some, um, with some honey, uh, that he ate and he sat down and he ate, he took it and ate it in front of them, you know, that's, this is, this probably some, you know, I'm sure there was like, uh, Maybe a a little ice was broken. You can say he said something to break the ice and make them laugh. You know, it's not recorded. I know. Luke obviously, you know, unless he was there or he he witnessed something. But what the point is, is that try to, I, I think, step back and see the reality of the you have to see the reality of the resurrection i think with with a very human sense of humour as well he must have made them laugh there had to have been a moment where they all chuckled can you why wouldn't he have smiled why wouldn't he have can you picture him sitting down maybe even sharing his lunch his, that he probably packed along the way from Nazareth to work at a construction site. Why wouldn't Joseph and him made a, well, Joseph himself, I think, made a joke, made, you know, made everybody at the table laugh with, with Mary and the family members. Um, you know, give a wink, play a little trick. I mean we saw a scene of it in the Passion of the Christ, where he kissed his mother, when he was fixing a table, when he was um, um when she told him to wash his hands, he splats, he, he you know he, he splashes a little water at her, gives her a hug, and gives her a kiss on the cheek. Even Gibson is telling us Gibson is saying there had to have been moments. It couldn't have been all. Um, like seriousness. He was a real human being. Who joked and laughed. And loved to make his mother laugh. And I'm sure she would love to make him laugh. And when she told him. Hey, 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 hey. Wash your hands before you enter the house. Like a mother would tell a son, people would think. You know, There's some people who would probably say, "Oh, I don't believe there would have been." Like, come on, come on, seriously. You know, don't box him in. There's a scene in the first season of The Chosen, where Nicodemus is talking to one of his students, who didn't believe that God could could walk around as a as a human being person. And Nicodemus is telling his students, so you would box him in. You would put him in that little box of yours and say, this is not part of the rules. That's ridiculous. Well, let's move on to the articles. So, can the image of Judas Iscariot be rehabilitated? (laughs) Can we make excuses for the traitor? the one who betrayed our Lord for 30 pieces of silver, who led uh, armed men, uh, temple guards. And there were Roman soldiers in the garden. They were there, but they did not perform the arrest since this was purely a Jewish matter at first. But definitely Caiaphas and Annas Uh, At least Annas was smart enough to know that he couldn't just send Jewish guards out into the streets, temple guards, to arrest our Lord. Because um, that would probably cause a riot. But if you had Roman soldiers uh, attending them, not getting involved in the arrest, but attending them, you would have uh, kept. Uh, a lot of people are afraid from daring to challenge the uh, the authority of the high priest but anyway the point is Judas betrayed him all right we know that in John chapter 6 when our Lord gave the uh, the great um, revealing uh, his uh, the Eucharistic, uh the eucharistic um sermon he gave about his body and blood and at the end when some disciples decided to abandon him uh he turned to simon peter and the others said are you too going to uh, leave me and simon peter gave that wonderful beautiful reply lord Where To whom are we to go? You have the words of eternal life. And then our Lord says, you did not choose me, I chose you. But one of you is a devil. And John makes it quite clear. John the Apostle makes it quite clear. He's talking of Judas, son of Simon, the Iscariot, who would betray him. One of you is a devil. And Judas has always been put down from the beginning as a traitor. It's it's quite clear in in the Gospels. And it says at the Last Supper that the devil, Satan, entered into him. And it says in the passage, and he went out and it was dark. Now, also, our Lord said about Judas woe unto that man it would have been better if that man had never been born imagine that imagine hearing our Lord say about a soul that this particular individual who's about to betray me it would have been better if this person had never been born now (laughs) that's that's pretty heavy it's also frightening I don't, I I, I would never want to hear that being said about me. I know none of us would want to hear that being said about any of us. It's a terrible, it's a horrifying, frightening thing. It brings chills down your spine. It cuts right through the heart and soul. Just hearing those words, just hearing those words, And it was pointed out, um, I think we will hear it in this, in one of these articles, that Judas Iscariot is the only one who had his position replaced, his office as apostle replaced by someone else. That's that's also something uh, quite interesting when you think about it, that his position, his um, office, was replaced. By someone else. Now technically. All the apostles that. Once they passed off. They didn't really have their position. Replaced. It was obvious. That you know because these apostles were. Foundation stones. Once that position of Judas was replaced by someone who. Had been there from the beginning. There was no need to ever. After, like, there was no need to replace James. There was no need to replace uh, James the Greater, John's brother, The off that office. There was no need to replace um, any other apostle who might have uh, been martyred because they are foundation stones. They're irreplaceable. But Judas was replaceable because he was a sinner. He was a traitor. He betrayed our Lord for money. All right, so let's... Um, I mean, this is psychological. I think the fact that Francis and these uh, Vatican II pastors think this way about Judas says a lot about, um, I know some people are not going to like it because I'm talking this way, but let's be honest. All right, let's not ignore the crisis. This This is the result of the sinful crisis within the church. These men who have homosexual tendencies who uh, have a love for money. Okay. This, if anything, pay attention to what happened during the shutdown. They put application for money and they, they, they made far more money last from last year's bailout. And probably I'm going to take a guess from this bailout, this third bailout that was made than any, than, than the church being opened if if the church was never been closed, they've been selling property, uh, church par- property, closing down parishes, and selling church property. All right, investments, taking Peter's Pence and making investments in uh, homosexual movies like John uh, uh, Elton John movies. <sighs> Come on, and who knows what other investments, investments they made. Let's be honest. These men really are spiritually dead, which is why they can't preach, which is why they can't teach, which is why the the churches are empty, which is why we're losing people. I'm sorry, but these are weak men. I mean, we are all, all sinners. That's true. In the eyes of the Lord, we are all sinners. But these men themselves, now they're defying the teaching office of the church about same-sex unions, blessings, and everything. You got people like James Martin, effeminate, effeminate, debaucherous human beings like him going around uh, promoting this. You got nuns promoting transgenderism. You got um. People defying the church, uh, clergy and nuns defying the church on abortion. They defy the church on contraception. These people who are supposed to teach love the world. As Fulton Sheen said in the last podcast, the last biggest battle is is going to be over the love of the world rather than the love of the gospel and love of Jesus Christ. And this is what we're facing here. Pope Francis, I don't know if Judas is in hell. Judas, Jesus called him friend. That's just Jesus' mannerism. I think he's overemphasizing that. In a homily on the same day, Toronto Cardinal Thomas Collins, uh, ref, uh, Colin, Collins referred to Christ's betrayer in the pit of hell. Okay, let's look at this. By Doug Mainwaring, we, 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 there were articles about him before, We uh, he wrote. Vatican City, April 8th, 2020. This was from last year, okay? In a homily delivered at Casa Santa Marta on Wednesday of Holy Week, Pope Francis indicated that he does not know if Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, leading to his crucifixion, is in hell. How did Judas end up? I don't know, said Pope Francis, according to a translation of his homily published by uh, Aliatia. The pontiff began by suggesting that Judas, perhaps a good boy, with (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm I'm laughing right now. This is the first time we're reading this. With good intentions, ends up a traitor to the point of going to the mark, the mark, uh, market to se- uh, market to sell, according to Vatican. But Christ never calls Judas a traitor. Personally, rather, Jesus calls him friend, and Jesus calls him friend and kisses him. He didn't kiss. Je- <laughs> i re- I'm, I'm sorry. This is unbelievable. This is from last year. Wow. All right, Um, something that calls my attention is that Jesus never calls him traitor. Jesus says he will be betrayed, but he doesn't say to to Judas, traitor. He never says, go away, traitor, never. (laughs) He then spoke of the mystery of Judas, reminding listeners that although Judas had betrayed Jesus, our Lord, our, our, our Jesus, our Lord called him friend and kissed him. He never kissed him. Where does it say he kissed him? Judas kissed him. I mean, maybe that's what he means. I don't know. What is the mystery of Judas? I don't know. Don Primo uh, Mesolari explains it better than me. Yes, it consoles me to contemplate that capital of the column of of Vilesia Okay, there's a column. I know what he's talking about. How did Judas end up? I don't know. There's a scene where Jesus carried Judas. It's a capital of, uh, of, of a column. I don't know who made it. Where it has Jesus carrying Judas after he hanged himself. Jesus th- threatens for, uh, force, forcefully here. He threatens forcefully. Woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born okay he quotes this but does that mean judas is in hell i don't know i look at the capital and i listen to the words of jesus friend that's he first of all who cares about the stupid capital who cares about who person who carved it who cares about that let's look at the text Let's look at the scriptures, okay? That's where we need to look into. I don't care about the capital. I don't care who made that artwork. That's a that's a fragment of someone's imagination, and who knows if that's what he if that's really Judas? It doesn't. There's no there's no wording. There's nothing carved in there that says it's Judas. It's not based on scripture. And yes, he did call him friend. He was offering him an opportunity to repent there was still a chance for judas to repent even though it he said it would have been better if this man had never been born yes there was always an opportunity that judas could have repented his will he had he still had control of his own will okay but god permitted and foresaw that judas would never repent it's a rare case here it's a, it's a, it's it, this is a this is a moment of warning he's going to call you friend yes he's going to call all of us his friends he uh, he gave he gave judas plenty of time 3 years to convert judas even had a moment to repent when he threw the money back he threw the money back at the high priest Admitting that he betrayed innocent blood. But he didn't run back to the Lord. Simon Peter did. Instead, Judas despaired and went and hanged himself. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I should not be telling this to a Pope. But maybe a Pope needs to hear this. I don't know. It's weird. Re- it's weird. Of course, I'm not talking to a pope. I'm talking to, to you, my listeners. It's a, you know, I'm thinking out loud, and I'm very and I'm actually very, very passionately uh, upset about this. It's really it's upsetting. You know, he's inverting different things that he shouldn't be doing. This it's 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 wrong. While the eternal fate of Judas may puzzle Pope Francis, it is no mystery to Cardinal Thomas Collins, Archbishop of Toronto, during a homily delivered during a live stream mass on the same day, Cardinal Collins referred to the writings of the poet Dante Alighieri. Perfect. I like him already. In Dante's Inferno, he describes the reality of sin in all of its forms, Collins said. But at that pit of hell, where there is not fire but ice, cold and frozen by the flapping wings of Satan, Collins said, at the icy pit of hell we have Judas. Mm. For the sin of Judas is a sin of betrayal, he continued, and that is why he is in the mouth of Satan, being gnawed by him for eternity. We know what happened to Judas, said Collins. He did not repent, but he could have, you see, if he had wanted to, as did St. Peter, who had denied Jesus. And so we see him in the pit of hell, he added. Pope St. Leo the Great, St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Catherine of Siena, the Catechism, the Council of Trent, and the Church's liturgy are all of one accord regarding the fate of, Of Judas Iscariot. Would that Pope Francis would listen. Cardinal Avery Dulles once explained in an article titled "The Population of Hell" about the fate of Judas. The New Testament does not tell us, in so many words, that any particular person is in hell, but several statements about Judas can hardly be interpreted otherwise. Jesus says that he has kept all those whom the Father has given him, except the son of perdition. There you go. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 12. All right? At another point, Jesus calls Judas a devil. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 70, and yet again, says of him, it would be better if that man, if that man, if he had never been born. Matthew, this is in Matthew chapter 26, verse 24. And in Mark's gospel, chapter 14, verse 21, he wrote, if Judas were among among the saved, these statements could hardly be true. Many saints and doctors of the church, including St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas, have taken it as a revealed truth that Judas was a reprobate, reprobated. Some of the fathers placed the name of Nero in the same select company, but they did not give long lists of names as Dante would do. He added, well, Dante was a different, uh, a different subject matter, but this is, this is very troublesome, as you can see. It's it really is, ex- extremely troublesome that this is that that these these guys in the um, would think this way. Here's here's a quote. Um, okay, this is from uh, Rorat Chali. Damned lies on the destiny of Judas Iscariot. From the tradition, uh, traditional collect of the Holy Thursday from 1962, this is from the Missal Romanum, 1962, it is clear, past all doubt, that the centuries-old Lex Arande of the Church teaches that Judas is lost, condemned forever to the fires of hell. O oh God, from whom Judas received the punishment of his guilt and the, chief, and the thief... The reward of the of his confession, grant unto us in the full f- fruit of Thy clemency that even as in His passion, our Lord Jesus Christ gave to each retribution according to His merits, so having cleared away our former guilt, He may bestow on us the grace of His resurrection, who with the with Thee liveth and reigns. In this conclusion was once taken for granted by everyone. Why then do do so many people nowadays say that we do not know about Judas' final destiny? To show that I am not exaggerating, take the former father, Thomas Williams, of the Legionnaires of Christ in a Zenith interview. Historically, many have thought that Judas is probably in hell because of Jesus' severe Indictment of Judas, it would be better for that man if he had never been born, as he says in Matthew twenty-six verse twenty-four. But even these words do not offer conclusive evidence regarding his fate. In his nineteen ninety-four book *Crossing the Threshold of Hope*, Pope John Paul wrote that Jesus' words do not allude for certain to eternal damnation. You see, I think that's the problem: is is the Vatican II mindset. I think it's just their mindset is so weak. It's sad. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know Pope John Paul was a human being. I mean, now I'm I'm this is this is opinion. This is not speaking authoritatively, it's opinion. But does this position make any sense? Yeah, you see? The witnesses of scripture. It first simply uh simply from the scriptural evidence, our Lord says the son of man indeed goeth as it is written of him but woe to that man by whom the son of man shall be betrayed it would have better for him if that man had never been born okay matthew 26 verse 24 now of such as peter who who, who also betrayed christ or saul who were persecuted christians by hunting down christians it is impossible to say it were better for him if he had never been born that is if if he had never existed at all, for it is only those who are condemned to suffer eternally to the unspeakable torments of hell, of whom it can be said, with any truth, it were better better for them if they had never existed. On the contrary, a mortal sinner who repents brings joy to the angels. Right, that's true. The... Shepherd who leaves the ninety-nine to go after the one sheep that went astray. Well, Judas never came back, did he? Peter did. He repented. Peter was like the prodigal son. Judas didn't even forgive himself. So, it's just ridiculous. I think this is this is Vatican II weak theology. On some point, pastoral, pastorally weak theology. Um, this, this is what I, I really, honestly believe that. This is the pastoral side of Vatican II. Very weak and watered down. I mean, going on. For only, only those who are condemned to suffer eternally the unspeakable torments of hell, of whom it can be said. With any truth, it would be better for them if they had never existed. On the contrary, a mortal sinner who repents brings joy to the angels, Luke chapter 5, verse 10, and inherits the kingdom of heaven. He is not an object of woe and is immensely good that such a man be born, for he can then assume an office like that of the first pope or the apostle to the Gentiles. And after death, he will enjoy the beatific vision Forever, so that only way Jesus' words can be true is if Judas is lost due unrepentant mortal sin. All right, so we got that here from this article. All right? Okay, like here, it makes it quite clear. All right? All this squares, of course, which is what is narrated of Judas' death and casting down the pieces of silver in the temple. He departed and went and hanged himself with a halter. That is, he made a gesture of despair and then committed suicide, which is mortal sin. Such an end was fitting. To the only close follower, Jesus, characterized in the Gospels, and is given over to the devil. Satan entered into Judas, who was surnamed Iscariot, one of the twelve. Luke chapter twenty-two, verse three. And after the, mor- the morsel, Satan entered onto him. John chapter. Thirteen, verse twenty-seven, and Saint Peter bears witness to the understanding of Judas's death and damnation. In the first chapter of Acts, men, brethren, Scripture must, must needs be fulfilled, which is the Holy Ghost spoke before, by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who was the leader of them, that spear hand uh, head, uh, handed Jesus. Who was numbered with us and had obtained part of our of this ministry, and his deed hath possessed a field of the reward of iniquity, and being hanged burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let their inhabitation become desolate and let, and let there be none to dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Uh, take. This was from Book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 16 to 20. Alright, so what are we to say about this? I mean, the catechism, the castle trend. Let's let's look at this here. Alright. Judas in hell. Uh, okay, so this is from traditional Catholic. All right. Judas is in hell. Father Isaac, one of the recent talks mentioned. Okay. I don't think I have to go through everything. Okay. If the catechism says it, to Council Trent, and then we have uh, liturgy, or uh, all of one accord. Let's face it. I think the problem here is this is psychological. These, these men in the church are speaking from their own guilt. Their own spiritual failings. I know who am I to who am I to say such things, right? Because I'm a lay person, but let's be honest. I can't ignore all this stuff that's happening within the church. I can't ignore seeing the, the, the McCarrick scandals, the, the 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 cover-ups, the payouts, the, the sexual abuse of minors, the victims coming out. All right, the the Boston scandals. I can't ignore all this stuff. It's not just happening here. it's around the world. the lavender mafia, all these things, all right, is happening are we to ignore it? And the answer is no. I can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. All right? It's not something we can ignore. Even Pope Francis, who, who is from Argentina, hasn't even gone home to his own country where they don't even want him there because he he took part in cover-ups when he was cardinal over there. None of us can ignore this. This is something serious. Okay? This is something serious. We can't ignore it. And I honestly have to say it's sad It's pathetically sad because I think this, they're talking about themselves. They, they can't relate to Simon Peter. They can't relate to John the apostle. They can't relate to Andrew. They can't relate to St. Philip. They can't relate to St. Nathaniel. They can't even relate to St. Paul. But this is the person they focus on. The one who betrayed? Because in their own heart they know. They know. But this is this is psychological. They're talking psychologically, in a, in a spiritually and psychologically. This is the, how they think. They're far, far from any of these of, of, of them. The McCarrick cover up and 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 constantly persecuting good priests, constantly not doing anything to someone like Joe Biden or any politician who wants to continue to receive holy communion. they're so far away, they're so far away they can't it's almost like they can't find their way back. their hearts are hardened. They, 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 they can't see Calvary. They can't see Golgotha. They can't find their way to the uh, Via Dolorosa. They can't find their way to the way to the cross. I'm, I'm. It's, it's frightening. All right, I'm gonna end it here because I know um, this this episode has gone a little long, but. <sighs> it's unbelievable. I mean, there's more, there's, there's two more articles and I'm going to read them. Uh, We got, uh, we got at least two more days. I'm going to try to, I mean, actually here, let's listen to this, this particular uh, service here. Hold on.
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. And with your spirit. Today, as always, we celebrate this Holy Eucharist, praying for those, in particularly those who are suffering during this uh, pandemic, and uh, for all people as well. We think of those uh, directly impacted by the pandemic. There are many other people who are ill, uh, and we pray for them as well. Uh, it was especially difficult for them as well during this time. And may the Lord bless and guide and protect all of the health care workers who serve so faithfully. Uh, Tomorrow we will be having the Mass of the Lord's Supper tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. As we prepare now to celebrate this Holy Eucharist, let us call to mind our sins and ask God's mercy you were sent to heal the contrite of heart lord have mercy lord have mercy you came to call sinners christ have mercy christ have mercy you're seated at the right hand of the father to intercede for us lord have mercy lord have mercy almighty god have mercy on us forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life
2: amen let
1: us pray O god who willed your son to submit for our sake to the yoke of the cross so that you might drive from us the power of the enemy Grant us, your servants, to attain the grace of the resurrection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever.
2: Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The servant of the Lord said... The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear to listen at those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I did not turn back. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me who will declare me guilty. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Lord, Lord, in your great great love, love, answer. answer me. It is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my kindred, an alien to my mother's children. It is zeal for your house that has consumed me. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Insults have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Lord, in your great love, answer me. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Let the oppressed us see it and be glad. You who seek a God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own that are in bonds. Lord, Lord in your great love, answer me.
1: the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray Jesus to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that moment he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, Jesus took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. When they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, "Surely not I, Lord!" He answered, "The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to the one, to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed! It would have been better for that one not to have been born." Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Jesus replied, You have said so. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. T.S. Eliot once said, uh, Dante and Shakespeare, divide the world between them. There is no third. And that is certainly a high recommendation. And I think certainly... Dante Alighieri, the greatest of all poets, who based his poetry upon the greatest, the work of the Thomas Aquinas, the greatest of all theologians. It's it's hard to get beyond him. I remember a couple of years ago when I was in high school, I, I actually thought for Lent I'd read in the John Chardy translation the, the Inferno as a way of preparing for Lent. And so it is, Dante, the greatest of all poets. And in Dante's Inferno, he describes the reality of sin in all of its forms with great detail. And you have pride, anger, envy, greed, laziness, lust, gluttony. They're all there in great abundance. But at the pit of hell, where there is not fire but ice, cooled and frozen by the flapping wings of Satan, at the pit, the icy pit of hell, we have Judas. For the sin of Judas is the sin of betrayal. And that is why he is in the mouth of Satan being gnawed by him for eternity down in the ice of hell. It's good for us to think of that as every Wednesday of Holy Week we read about Judas. And we need to learn from him it is the worst thing to betray trust the betrayal of trust that is what he's guilty of he he dipped the the morsel in the bowl with Jesus and he was right there one of them chosen by Jesus to be one of the twelve apostles and I, I always remember the thought that when he only left the Last Supper after Jesus had washed the feet of the apostles so there is Jesus washing the feet of the man who betrayed him. Such love, such an offer of trust, and so betrayed. It says in the Gospel of John, after Judas leaves, and it was night. And he's not just talking about the time of day. So it's good for us, as we enter into more deeply into these great mysteries of Holy Week, to look at the figure of Judas. betrayer and to recognize how important trust is fidelity in trust that's so important we need to trust one another we offer god offers that trust to us we offer it to one another and we must never betray it even in society, when there is a lack of trust, and that can happen in stressful times, particularly as people's anger and tensions and nervousness grows, people become more suspicious and so on. It's just a lack of trust. The whole of society just shivers and shakes and begins to, to fragment. We need trust. That's why the betrayal of trust is such a tragedy, a personal human tragedy, but also a social tragedy. If we could trust the people are not going to blow up planes, we could just walk on a plane. But we can't trust that because people have betrayed that trust. So we go through enormous exercises of scrutiny and screening. And that's just an example. If we could trust people would keep their word, we wouldn't need uh, the legal system, I suppose. And that might save a bit. But the fact is we, in our fallen nature... The betrayal of trust which we see exemplified in judas is is there so maybe this day we can resolve to resolve to be faithful as the psalm says he keeps his word come what may to be faithful in our relationships of trust realizing how important they are and when someone has betrayed our trust let it let it go it you know we have to let it go we can't let that eat away our lives or if we have betrayed the trust of another, ask God's forgiveness and ask forgiveness to the other person. We know what happened to Judas. He he did not repent. But he could have if he had wanted to. And Jesus saw that he would not, but he could have. Imagine if he had come and asked forgiveness the way Peter did, who denied the Lord. We might have great churches in honor of the great St. Judas the penitent. But he did not go that way. His heart was turned astray. And so we see him in the pit of hell in Dante, and we look at that. But in our lives, trust. We must offer it, receive it. We must be faithful to it, to the people we live with, to the commitments we make, to the world in which we live. We must live in relationships of sacred trust. And we pray the Lord to help us to be found faithful and fulfilling in fulfilling these commitments
0: okay all right I think that's uh, I think he's that was pretty pretty good let's just say in our father and uh, we'll end it here in the name of the father son holy spirit Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. God bless, and I'll be back with another article on the same subject. All right? God bless.